From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Forum for the Fans, the Rain Podcast of Ranger Proud opening night versus the Bolts, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Eastern Conference champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. But on this night, as of right now, we hear our voices. We come on this episode on the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. We're the only team with two points in the entire NHL until the Kings and the Knights game gets <laughs> underway. But uh, Rangers went 4-1, to man. Zabinijad was on fire tonight, y'all. He was just, man, he just... A man possessed, and then the short-handed goal attempts was just just fluid and just all over the place, man. The physicality, Ryan Reeves setting the tone early in the period. Now we we could talk about Kratzoff, and I know he went out of the game on his second shift of the game, but I mean you gotta like what you see as far as the special teams. Uh, Trocheck is just gonna be amazing on that second line, man. I mean the the puck handling and not panicking and not turning the puck over in, in tight spaces uh, and, and winning face-offs. It's a lot to discuss, man. Let's get everybody on. Got one hour to knock this out. Post-game. Uh, Ranger Proud, of course, uh, Forever Blue Shirts and Pie Sports Media. Uh, IG, of course. We got Glenn with us. We got Carl with us. Our Pizza, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Are Peter? Oh, let's see if somebody else is there. Let's see. Glenn, are you there? Yeah, I am here, Steve. And, okay, uh, I'm just chuckling. I didn't want to make Hello, sure. Everybody. I'm glad you're there because I, I was think... about to say, what? I was about to say, what's going on with the equipment? But uh, <laughs> um, shout outs to Glenn. How you doing, man? We'll try it again. Is that Scott? Okay, hold on. Is that Scott? Scott, say something. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, got Scott. Okay, and what? Okay, got Scott. Got Glenn. Uh, Glenn, say hello to the people real quick. We go to uh, Scott after that. How you doing, Glenn? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, welcome to everybody uh, listening to the show. Welcome to all the guys that are with us tonight. And I think uh, we had a, a very impressive showing tonight from this team. Uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, from pretty much every facet of the game: five on five, penalty killing, uh, power play. Team defense and Igor was Igor. Igor uh, can't ask for much more for a first game of the season. So uh, I think we all should be uh, pretty impressed by what we saw tonight. Definitely. We're going to lead off with you, of course. Shout out to Glenn Scott. Say hello to the people, and I know you're definitely enthusiastic. And, and tell everybody how <laughs> we can reach your platform and get the episodes rolling as the season's back around. <clears throat> Yeah, this is uh, well, happy hockey season, everyone. Uh, this was a great, great way to start. Um, yeah, thank you for the plug. Uh, we did a uh, we did a preview uh, this afternoon. My uh, me and my uh, Montreal friend uh, Patrick. We did a uh, hockey podcast. We are the Face Off Hockey Podcast on Twitter, and uh, we did a Rangers and Habs preview. He's a little he's realistic about what he's got going on this year. He's in the same boat we were about three years ago. Um, but no, absolutely. I mean, this was just a great, great way. I mean, we're we're not used to winning like this. We're used to winning ugly. I mean, we we dominated shots. We dominated faceoffs, which is completely unheard of. Uh, I think they had won something like nine in a row at some point. They had said. 
uh, something like that. And specifically on that first power play, we didn't score on it. Uh, we got six shots on it, but we had two offensive zone faceoffs on that, one of both. I mean, the, the, the power plays, uh, I mean, everything was just great tonight, everything all around, all, all ends of the ice. Uh, but the power plays, all four of them, I mean, yeah, we finally, we well-deserved or well-earned and deserved goal there, um, Mika's game winner. But um, the, the, the problem it was just, Pretty much two minutes, solid two minutes on all four power plays. We just couldn't break through, but they looked really, really good. Uh, even strength was great. Obviously, the shorthanded goal. Uh, just an all-around dominating win. Really, really good stuff to start off. Shout out to Scott, man. Thank you. We'll definitely get this conversation going on the first post game of the 2022-2023 season. What up, Carl? How you doing? I hope all is well. One uh, one and no, two points for your blue shirts. How you doing, sir? A pleasant good evening, Steve, Glenn, Scott. I miss you all. It's been it has been far, far too long. I've had to kind of do some multitasking tonight between the baseball and, and opening night. So I was a little bit distracted, but I seem like I for the for for the majority of the game that I did watch, everything seemed to be going pretty much according to plan, without any uh, without any hitches. Without a doubt, shout out to Carl, man. Thank you very much. And the man himself, RP, we'll lead off with you. We then go to Glenn. Uh, like I said, Ranger Proud, IG, uh, Empire Sports Media, Forever Blue Shirts. Uh, Ranger Proud, let's let's talk about it. Let's just jump right into it. How do you think as far as, you know, Goudreau had so many penalties, made up for the goal, though. Uh, Benajad was a man on fire tonight. Uh, I've been keeping an eye on the turnovers, uh, you know, especially with the young guys. But uh, Shesterkin was excellent tonight. Defense was excellent tonight. I mean, a lot of penalties, but you know, they'll shake it off. But RP, let's 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 go with it, man. What's your thoughts, man? And the fire away, man. Yeah, you you pretty much hit it on the head. I thought they. Uh, I mean, it's great to get a win. Great to get a win on opening night and to beat those guys after they swept us the last four games and all of that stuff. But yeah, I, I thought they took way too many penalties. Uh, I thought they were pretty aggressive shooting. They 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 were attacking. I mean, 39 shots on goal. Uh, that's pretty damn good for them. They won 64% of their faceoffs. I mean, the giveaways were a little high. They had 17 turnovers, so the turnovers a lot of times lead to bad penalties. Stupidity leads to bad penalties. But opening night, you give them a little bit of a, a feeling out period. Uh, you know. It was kind of weird, Steve. Kraftstoff gets hurt early, and it was like, I don't want to say no big deal, but the Rangers knew exactly what they had to do because in preseason, Gallant was able to practice with so many different combinations that it was like, okay, Kraftstoff's out. You know, we have depth on this team. Lafreniere goes to the first line. Excuse me, to the second line. Kako was already on the first line. Move VC up and bang, bang, boom. They double-shifted Goudreau a lot, and they were able to adapt and, and figure out what they needed to do to, to keep the game moving forward. So I was really impressed with that. You know, Chesterkin was sharp. The defense was sharp. I really liked Zach Jones' game tonight. I thought he had a solid game back there. And uh, you've got to be happy with the win, but you've got to be happy with the way, the way they won the game. I mean, Mika was on fire. Panamera looked better than he did in, in, when the season ended. So there's a lot of positives there. Now, what are, what are your thoughts as far as the the final roster with VC making it, and also anything else you'd like to say before we go to Glenn, or actually anything you want to throw to Glenn here on the Ring Podcast <laughs> opening night win? I 
I the way the final routes were cut out was pretty much exactly the way I thought it was going to um, break down. The the difference is, is I didn't think Hunt and VC would both make the team. That had a little bit to do with the Sammy Blaze injury. That had a lot to do with salary cap. So um, I like the down. I think VC was the smart move because never mind is he a pretty decent offensive guy and he's a bottom bottom six forward who can play in the top lines, but he's an excellent penalty killer, which was a huge advantage over Dryden, uh, Dylan Hunt, who doesn't kill penalties at all. So right off the bat, I thought he had an edge right there if he had a good camp to take advantage of it. From the defensive standpoint, I was hoping Zach Jones would make the team. I knew Hayek would be the seventh defenseman unless someone bumped Jones out, but there was really nobody up there that would bump Jones out, so it was his job to lose. So from a lineup standpoint, it's not perfect. They have zero salary cap availability. I think they have $185,000 uh, in, in salary cap space. It, it's going to be a problem that will need to be addressed. But from a standpoint of the roster and, and what they have, they're in exactly where I thought they would be. So, Glenn, since I have to throw something to you, tell me. If Kraftstock misses two, three, four games with whatever injury he has, do you think he comes back as the fourth line winger? I think he might. I think he might. Uh, you know, that, that this was an opportunity. He didn't have a great training camp. Uh, mm-hmm. We were hoping he'd impress a lot more than he did. Uh, but I think the plan still was to have him start off on the uh, Trocheck line with Panarin and see what you got. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he went out so early in the game, we didn't really get to, to see anything. But, you know, if he's out a number of games and uh, Lafreniere winds up being the uh, the right wing on that line and that line clicks, then, yeah, I think it's going to be tough to just hand it right back to Kraftsoff. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to be happy about that, but, you know, he's going to have to earn his way back. I mean, frankly, I don't know that he earned his way onto that second line. I think it was just the way the roster – uh, panned out that, uh, you know, that was the best place for him to go. But I don't think he's, uh, you know, solid in that position at all. So if he's out for, for a number of games, yeah, I think he's going to come back in a little bit more of a limited role, um, you know, maybe on the third line with Heedle, um, you know, to, to try and work his way back in because we still, you know, we, we, we see this talent, we hear everybody say what talent he's got, but we still haven't had a chance to see it. And uh, so I think that, uh, yeah, when he comes back, he he may not get plugged right into that uh, second-line spot again, especially if they click with Lafreniere up there. I, I agree. Not to cut you off, Steve. I'm thinking the exact same thing. I, I don't think Kraftstuff deserved the spot on the roster. I don't think he played well enough to get it. I don't think he was sharp. He really didn't do anything to dazzle or impress. But once they brought him into camp, his team knew and the Rangers knew that he couldn't be sent down without clearing waivers, which would never happen. So once they brought him in, he was kind of locked. And I don't know if he was playing like that or he just didn't look prepared or whatever it might be. And he was in New York earlier, but I I agree with everything you said. I I think he's going to have trouble keeping in that top 12, excuse me, that top nine when and if he returns like I said, the team has not announced his injury other than an upper body. Uh, Hedman hit him with a real dirty knee into the, looked like the sternum or his 
his neck headish area. So we mm. just have to wait and see if we ever really find out what the injury is with that. Well, do you think, though, uh, RP, that they might plug him in uh, on, on a line with Heedle? Because, I mean, putting him on the fourth line, they, I don't they think very, really yeah. accomplishes anything. They they could put him with, um, I guess they could put him with VC, Heedle, and, and Kropstoff on on that side. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, Heedle's definitely going to be the third line center. He had another strong, strong game tonight. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I could see that happening. At least he'll get some more minutes out of it and work his way up. You know, if it wasn't for this, the success of the kids line, Gallant might have started it that way. Mm-hmm. But instead, he just moved Kako up, and he was a, he in the beginning kept Lafreniere with Heedle to start, and then when the injury happened, he had to do what to do. Did you guys notice with four minutes to go in the game, he put the kid line back together? He yeah, put VC, yeah. He put VC on the top line, and he put Goudreau on the second line. And that, to me, was his defensive shell. Yep. Everyone, one player on each of the first two lines was very good defensively with and without the puck. And the kid line, he just loves anyway. I thought that was great. And that, again, goes back to how people say preseason and hockey is kind of a waste. But Gallant got to see all these different line combinations. And tonight, he was able to use them. In the first game, he was able to use him out of the stress of an injury, but it definitely paid off. Definitely. I mean, it goes to the shows to the quality of the the depth of this team. I'm in love with it. We all, I think we're all in love yeah. with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Glenn, anything else from this game you want to add before we uh, go to Scott and then Carl? Yeah, I mean, I guess two things really kind of stood out to me and, and more, of a, more in a team way than any individual player. Um, I, I really like their team defense. Uh, there were times last year where, you know, there were some breakdowns. Uh, Igor was kind of left, uh, you know, to fend for himself with guys open in the, in the high slot and everything. And I thought they did a real good job tightening that up uh, tonight. I thought the, the, the wingers were coming back to help the defensemen. Uh, they never really gave Tampa a good opportunity to – gain some momentum by having, uh, you know, a, a lot of good shifts at, at a time. Uh, so I thought the, that, that they really did a good job, uh, you know, keeping the momentum in their favor and not allowing it, even with those six power plays, uh, allowing it to uh, Tampa to really kind of take over the game. Um, and then the other thing was I thought their transition game was really good. Uh, you know, they mm-hmm. didn't have a, a lot of two-on-ones or three-on-twos like that. Some of them were – you know, two on twos and all, but um, I thought they got a lot of good shots off the rush uh, on their transition game. So, uh, to me, from an overall team standpoint, those were really the two things that that stood out to me tonight. All right, cool. Now, anything else you'd like to add, or you want to uh, go to Scott on his thoughts on the game? No, or anything you like got everybody Scott? here. I want to give everybody uh, their fair share of time, so uh, you can uh, move, move the table around and uh, find somebody else. To, to comment, right, cool, that's, 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 oh. trying to be fair. Oh, no trying to be fair hey, 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 man, this is a round table or a, a round yeah. eight uh, rink, you know, so anybody can step in and say what you got to say. But, uh, Scott, feel free. Your thoughts on the game. I know you're ecstatic with the, the stats tonight and um, anything else on this opening night win. 
Yeah, for me, um, yeah, uh, the the faceoffs and mm-hmm. and, uh, and the shots. Uh, you know, we're we're yes. used to being grossly outshot and grossly specifically out faceoff uh, mm-hmm. and finding ways to win. That's why it was so great that they just dominated all around. And uh, with, with regards to the Kravtsov uh, thing, uh, you know, whether or not he deserves to be on on the top six, uh, that's obviously uh an argument that people uh <laughs> the general consensus seems to be uh doesn't deserve to be there but the point is he was and he went out real early um and that meant that you know the adjustments adapting and they did it and it didn't you know they didn't lose a step uh you know credit Gallant for finding the uh, uh you know for filling in the pieces and, and and shuffling things around to the point where uh they didn't miss a step uh you know it's it happened early and it, you know it's it's like he wasn't even there you know this is you know whether or not he deserved to be there that whatever but he was there that was the starting lineup second line right winger and he's gone uh and they you know they made the adjustments and just and dominated uh you know, all around, you know, whether or not, you know, it's irrelevant whether or not he he deserved to be there. But, uh, you know, anytime you lose any, any guy for, for the whole game, let alone top six uh, forward and can still like it never even happened. uh, That's just, you know, impressive testament to, to Galan testament to the guys. Um, And another thing that really stood out that I like is uh, another way we're accustomed to winning is when we get that one goal lead kind of, you know, backing up on their heels and making it the goalie show for, for years. We saw, uh, you know, last year it was the Igor show for the first half of the season. Uh, We've, we've seen it. It was the, it was the Lundquist uh, third period show for, uh, for 16 or so years. So, but what I like about this is after Mika got that power play goal and they took the lead, uh, they put their foots on their throats. Unfortunately, it only lasted about a minute and a half before they took that penalty. But the yep. Rangers, uh, they dropped the puck. The Rangers came right back uh, and more sustained pressure, uh, had a really great shift, if not back-to-back shifts, uh, and, and really pressed for uh, another goal real quick. And that's something that, uh, that they, you know, we're not used to seeing. We're used to seeing them have that one goal lead and say, uh, you know, okay, Igor, this is your time. We're just going to, you know, we're 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 gonna rest up, uh, you know, make some saves for us, get us that one goal win. But that's not what they did. They took it to them, um, and you know they killed off a penalty, and then they ended up getting a third goal. So um, you know, just just so many different ways that we're not accustomed to seeing the Rangers the when they win games, and it was just a really great. Uh, really just great, encouraging way to start the season, especially with that Kravtsov injury. And my opinion on uh, when he comes back, um, I, I honestly, I don't have one, whether or not he'll, you know, regain that, uh, that opportunity in the top six. I mean, Gallant obviously saw something that we didn't as to why he put him there. Um it, uh, you know, may, maybe he wants to see if that experiment, uh, you know, give that experiment a chance to play itself out and see if it will succeed or fail. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe however long he's out in that time, uh, you know, we get uh, the line combinations uh, that continue to click. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, you know, and he's destined for the bottom six. I, I don't know. Um, you know, Gallant has not let us down since he's got here. He's done the right things for the most part. And 
I'll whatever he does, he does, and uh, I'll trust it to uh, give it a chance and, and, until it doesn't work and needs adjusting. So, uh, just you know, just can't say enough. Uh, and yeah, we, we obviously we have to point out something uh, negative. I don't remember who said it. I think it was RP. Uh, yeah, way way too many penalties. Obviously, the the penalty killing was solid. Um, you know, minus the one goal, a full two minute five on three. Uh, you're pretty much expected to give up a goal, so we can't really fault the penalty killing for that. That's just five on three for two full minutes. That's just a completely different dynamic. But uh, in all the other minors, they didn't really give uh, Tampa that much to work with. Obviously, they have just as lethal the power play as we do, uh, you know, with Stamkos and Kucherov out there. But um, we, uh, you know, the, the penalty killing w- w- was, was fantastic. Uh, every time Tampa got you know, a chance to get momentum. They, they not only did they not score, but they didn't even have the types of power plays that we did, um, you know, in those first three that we didn't score on, uh, you know, because they, they, those power plays just tilted the ice in our favor pretty much for the rest of the game. And uh, when Tampa had their panel power plays, uh, after they were killed off, they really couldn't expand on them uh, and, and, and tilt the ice back. Uh, you know, we just, we killed them off and it was just, you know, c- continued to be our game uh, to play. Uh, and it was just so nice to see because we're just not used to seeing Rangers win games like that. Now you have anything you want to ask Carl uh, after this uh, win? It's a great, great win, man. It's a great win. Yeah. Um. All right. Let me see. Um. Yeah. I got to be better prepared for that. I know that's. Uh. You know. We. You started doing that about halfway through the season, so I got to be prepared <laughs> for uh to come up. Oh, with you know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't, well, didn't want to play traffic cop. You know. What I, mean? This is a oh. I, I mean, it's, it, I you know, it's a conversation. It, you know, I didn't want to feel like I'm. You know, hey, hey, I asked you this question or that question. Like, I want. You know, it's, it's, it's all everybody involved. Everybody's time is valuable. Uh, so you know. I, I don't, oh no, I'm not complaining about it. No, I'm not complaining about it at all. I like it. I just I got to remember that so I can uh, so I can make sure it's not uh, you know dead air when it gets to me. Um, all right, Carl. Um, okay, so other than you know the obvious, two a little too many penalties. Uh, what uh, what negative? Something something we need to improve on. Something you didn't like out of today's game? A player, uh, a, a, a team, anything with the team, a specific player, anything at all? Just something that uh, that you, that you were not impressed with. Well, you know, the one thing that I thought as I watched the game play out, I thought the score should have been more than 3-1. to one. You know, it was 2-1 mm-hmm. to one for that period of time until they got that third goal. Like, if you, just kind of just watching the game in a vacuum, that game was mm-hmm. about a 6-2 game on its own that just happened to be 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. And my feeling on that, when we sort of translate from last year, it is we sort of try to evolve the team this season is let's eliminate a good amount of these close games if we can. Like, <laughs> the talent is there. Let's mm-hmm. make a 2 to 1 game, a 4 to 1 game, and let's not have to, you know, sort of put the stress on the last 12 minutes of the ball game of the, of the game trying to grind out like you know, do what Colorado does basically. Go 2, 3, 4, 5 and just just go after them. Don't feel as if you know, you're just trying to protect the one-goal lead and, and try to, you know, play in, yeah. in, in the shell. Now, unfortunately, tonight, you know, listen, they had a lot of opportunities. I think I would track the numbers. It was 43 uh, scoring chances they had. So they had, I mean, it was definitely definitely an, an, enough opportunities to score. But that would be the one thing as we sort of look big picture into the season to 
eliminate a number of the close games that they had last season and turn those particular games into sort of what one would call rocking chair wins. And that would be the one thing that, as I look ahead here, that's something that I think should be improved upon this season. Yeah. That's a pretty good call, i got to yep. tell you. I was going to say the one thing that was bad about tonight was ESPN's coverage, but yours was much better. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't know you said that. I prefer the TNT. So. I prefer oh, the TNT coverage. I, no I like how they no do doubt. the statistics, the advanced, you know, the you know, the, with the sidebar on the TV with the high definition. Mm-hmm. Their presentation is a whole lot better than ESPN. I'm glad you, I had that written down to, to say that uh, RP. I'm glad I, you I tweeted it. That I tweeted it 30 seconds into the game. I was like, the broadcast already sucks. And then, did you guys notice that new digital advertising on the boards? I did. Yeah. I was yes. First, I yes, thought that, I was. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and and I tell you something. I was watching it, and after the first half hour, that I thought I was going to get a, a freaking seizure from everything changing. <laughs> my my wife is watching again with me, and she had a very good point. The regular advertisements on the boards, obviously the fans at the Garden don't see it, but I did marketing and advertising in college for sports business, and I was always told, and and it's true. The corners, the four corners of the boards are the most expensive piece of real estate on the ice and by the blue lines now. But when I was in school, they didn't do it on the lines. When they put that digital marketing up, all that advertising is lost for the digital advertising they're putting up. So I'm curious. I'm going to try to find out how do they compensate or recalculate all the names on the boards that, that are actual advertisements. Because in the first two periods, it was like every 45 seconds, you saw Geico, you saw the NHL shop, you saw Chase, you saw Discover, you saw ESPN, and it was covering up the actual advertisements on the boards. And the business part of the game I always find interesting, too. I'm curious about that because, you know, in the beginning, it was driving me crazy. But it's kind of weird money-wise how they were able to get away with doing that. So I don't know if anyone had any insight or something on that, but... It's something I'm going to try to investigate to see because you're talking about a lot of a lot of dollars there that isn't being seen by the mm-hmm. general viewership because they're putting that other digital crap up. Yeah, you know, RP. The one thing I, you know, because when I first uh, got into got to the game, you know, maybe about two three minutes in, at first I was like, wait, did did the guard not sell advertising this season? I was like, wait, you're right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> opening face opening faceoff call. It was all white, and the only thing on it was Chase in small, small writing. So I noticed it right away. And my wife was like, no, that's, that's not it, because then it blinked. You know, it went to another, it went to Discover or whatever. But I, I was thinking the same thing. It, it, was, it was a little, it, it, you know, as I watched it, as the game went on, I was like, wow, this is really a moneymaker. Because you can take anybody's logo and digitally drop it on the boards like that. And, it's, and then they put it on the ice on the center of the blue lines. And it, it's definitely a moneymaker. But I was curious how they worked out the regular advertisements on the boards because now they're not seen as much during a broadcast. And today was a national broadcast. So you yeah, would have thought they would have, you know, more coverage because more people are watching it. It was the only NHL game on. So I was just curious on, on how that whole breaks down money-wise. Sorry, I went off on you a tangent that, there, that, guys. No, no, of course. Oh, no, don't, hey, don't worry about it. You know, that's sort of like the evolution now of, of NHL advertising. If you look yeah. back at like the last like three years now, 
you know, it kind of to me it sort of started with the advertisements behind the, the goalie uh, behind the uh, uh, by the behind the glass. Yes. The goalie, oh yeah, yeah, the MSG yeah. The chase. Mm-hmm. You start with seeing that. Then during the COVID year, they started putting some digital um, advertisements on the ice itself. Remember yes. that? Like you would normally see. I remember last year. You would see where it would uh, normally when when the start of the season would go, you'd see that logo that would say like yeah. NHL face off, you know, twenty yes. still in the year. It would mm-hmm. have it right there. And that's not there anymore. They don't no. I I'm watching the LA game now as well. That's not there anymore. That's been replaced by actual fill in the blank company, whoever that yeah, yeah, and now we've got this. So they're just hey, they're they're churning out different ways to say how can we sneak in a revenue thing here or money here and that's yeah. you know, hey, that's way it's going to mm-hmm. that's the way it's going to go it's not going nowhere now you know steve it goes back to what you said with tnt's coverage last year on that exact same spot on the ice that carl was just talking about or a little bit deeper towards the circles they put the penalty time right in the middle of the ice yeah it's digital mm-hmm. so you don't have to even look up at the scoreboard as the puck's going from one point man to the other point man yeah. you see the penalty time left right there which i thought was great they do a lot of little things, TNT, like you were saying, Steve, that is so much better and more mm-hmm. fan-friendly without interfering with the play and without yeah. listening to Ray Ferraro love the Tampa Bay Lightning so much that you want to just choke him. <laughs> now, but let me ask you that with the TNT side, because what I like what they do with the score at the top of the screen and also – see, what I do when we're watching the hockey games, I think, I think we all can agree. We're, we try to identify all the players coming onto the ice for both mm-hmm. games because you kind of need to know who the line comment It kind of takes a couple right. of seconds, but if you're a veteran fan, you know exactly what the, your player looks like by his height. You could probably pick a clue up by the number or a partial of the number mm-hmm. on the jersey. So you, you yes. already know for the most part who's skating with who, so it has a, a, a great idea. Well, TNT, what I love what they do, they make it easier. They tell you exactly who's coming on the ice. They'll fade the number, fade the name, and bring it on a new number at the top. And they don't keep it there. They'll just do it for like you know, maybe within the first 30 seconds of a new mm-hmm. uh, of a face-off or a shift or like that. I love that. It makes yes. it easier to know exactly who's who. You don't know if it's the third line initially because then when, when they drop the puck, like, okay, who's on the ice? Like, you got to figure that out. You know, you can figure it out if you're a veteran Rangers fan or if you're watching Rangers or uh, a fan of your team. It's just little things like that. And like you said, yeah. with, the, you know, with, the, with the, the clock, it's just the presentation of it. It's just clean. It makes sense. And yes. you know exactly who is where. It's, I, I love it a lot better than ESPN, man. And the games are shorter. Yeah. ESPN get me dragging the shit out of games, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, everything wrong with these commercials. Everything just drags out. I don't know. It's just the whole, I don't know, there's just something about them. Like the the girl that does the side ice, I forgot her name, Emily Kaplan or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She just seems like she, it's very scripted when she talks. It's like it's not that mm-hmm. she knows what she's going to say when you go on air, but she says it verbatim like she memorized it. There's no flow to her interviews. And it's very, it's just very awkward. I mean, I know their ESPN is happy with it, but it, it just, I'm curious to see what broadcast team they're using now for the Kings uh, Golden Knights game. Because it isn't the two bozos that we had, thank God. So when we go in later on, I'll check that out. Now, I actually have a question for you, RP, when we go back around. Um, I think I heard it on the broadcast, and this is a topic we've had last year. As far as even strength play, I think this was a concern more so for Scott. I think they said the Rangers were 18th in even strength. Like, what do you think mm-hmm. at the end of 82 games where 
with this roster, where do you think they will land as far as the infrastructure? Because I believe our special teams will still keep par, whether power play or penalty kill. I, I, I am so very good. I, I'm really content with what we have. Matter of fact, the first power play unit pretty much dominated the majority of power play uh-huh. chances. They, they were on a, a lot of the time did the second power play unit. But my question to you, and as far as even strength, improving that, you know, what do you think you know, our peak like, is going uh, for this where, where they should be ranked? You know, it's hard to tell off one game on, on paper. If we all assume Lafreniere is going to have a better season, Kako is going to have a better season, uh, you know, and, and Kreider and Zibanejad can have the years they had last year and Trocek. I, I would like to see them in the top 12. I don't want to get greedy. Uh, you know, they don't have a Conor McDavid on the team. They don't have, well, I don't want to say an Ovechkin or, or a, a, a Nathan McKinnon and all. I would be happy if their overall offensive production was in that top 12 heading into the playoffs. Because then once the playoffs start, games tend to get a little bit more defensive normally. And, and you can, hopefully your offense can take advantage of, of missed opportunities. So, you know, a lot of that also has to do with the power play and the Rangers power play was really good last season. If today is any indication, they're going to continue that route. But it's only one game. You don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves from it. So I, I would like to see them in that, you know, 13th, 12th ranking for for offense. I think that would absolutely carry them back into the playoffs. I mean, let, let's be realistic. If you don't make it back to the Eastern Conference final, it's sort of a letdown this season from last season. And that's hard to say after game one. But every team has goals. And I'm sure in, in the hierarchy of the, the Rangers organization, they're, they're looking to at least make it to the Stanley Cup finals this year, especially with the core they have, the Vesna Trophy winning goalie. Steve's boy, K. Andre Miller, is going to have a spectacular season. And mm-hmm. just because just his confidence, his speed, his smart on the ice, I just love the way he looks when he's skating. So there's so many promising things. Sometimes, sometimes you think you can only fall. You know what I mean, guys? Like so many things went so well last year. Ken, the hardest thing is to repeat at anything and to maintain what they did last year, this year. With a couple of new players, a couple of players out of the lineup, I'd definitely be happy if they were, you know, improved up the 12th rank in the league offensively. Let me follow up a question before we go to Glenn. And it's real quick about Chris Kreider as far as the monster career year he had last year. And, and, no, for real, like, do you think he could maintain that? Because, I, you know, wasn't that an anomaly? Would, because I agree, like, we could probably win more. But if his production drops, that would, hopefully somebody will pick it up, like you said, like Lafreniere. Like, well, how do you feel as far as Chris Kreider individually? And then if, if it does drop, because that is a lot to make up for. It's all the power play goals and regular season goals. What are your thoughts as far okay. as before, who steps up? Before I, before I answer that, Scott Glennon call. Tell the truth. When Kreider missed those two – in close jabs at the puck, right on top of the crease. Did everybody say the 25 goal scorer Kreider is back? Because I did. Because last year, both of those pucks would have been in the net. I hate that. And and someone else tweeted it, or an ex-Ranger writer, Matt Matt Comedia, and I I said it to my wife, because me and my wife watched the whole game together because she's a big fan. And I was like, if this is any indication of the season Kreider will have, then he's back to a 25-goal scorer. <laughs> and it's sad to think that way. Right, guys? But Let, it, it, it's or, or so they, hard to repeat. When, when, he, uh, when he had those two chances in front and he missed them both, um, I, I 
I kept him as one of my keepers on my fantasy team because I don't think he's going to score 52 again. But, you know, he should be good for 35-40. When he missed those two shots in front, <laughs> I said to my wife, I didn't keep him for him to go back to being Chris Kreider. <laughs> I agree. Oh, um, yeah, that's the first thing I said. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure every fan said that because when they showed the replay of that first the first opportunity, I forgot who passed the puck. It was perfect pass. It threaded the needle. It was right on the stick, and then he makes the save. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again, <laughs> right back to where we mm-hmm. were. And you hate mm-hmm. to think that, but, but knowing from all – just knowing from watching hockey, it is so hard to score. Unless you're like a superb goal scorer, McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, you know, back to the days of Mike Bossy. I know I'm old. <clears throat> but it's so hard to get back-to-back 50-goal seasons. Mm-hmm. It, it just it's everything mm-hmm. needs to go so right for you and, and, and it's your work ethic obviously and your confidence as the goals come but it's just a hard thing to do but as soon as I saw that I looked up I said oh god here we go and then people started <laughs> tweeting it people started saying it it's like alright at least it's not me being the ass you know <laughs> nope nope I, I didn't say that uh, believe it or not because um, you know it's well known I may or may not have had a few negative criticisms of him over the years. Um, but I actually did not, um, you know, being able to, you know, he was there. And that first one, they showed that in the net, super, super duper slow-mo replay. Uh, you know, he teed it up. I mean, you, can, you can't really tell how slow it was going, how long mm-hmm. he waited. He really didn't, you know, it was a bang-bang play. And the defenseman just got his stick. I mean, it was a stick to stick. It was a battle of wills. Um so, no, I mean, you know, not being able to convert point-blank opportunities, that was never his thing, uh, you know, going before last year. You know, that was a that was a Strom, that was a Buchnevich kind of thing, you know, just <laughs> missing point-blank opportunities. You know, his problem was if this was the Kreider from, you know, prior – if, if this was the nine-year Kreider, he wouldn't even have been there in front of the net. He would have been Molly gagging around the blue line or something. You know, yeah, effort and work ethic and dragging ass was always his problem. You know, he was there where he should have been, where he was all last year. Um, you know, maybe, you know, and yeah, it seemed like every single one of those found the back of the net last year and, you know, just didn't happen tonight. But he was there where he should have been. Uh, so that's why I'm going to give him a pass. And, uh, you know, we're not, uh, you know, I'm I'm still optimistic that we're getting, uh, uh, you know, last year's Kreider and not the nine-year Kreider <laughs> for now. Fear of the market correction. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now here, so it could go two ways, right? Kreider could just continue to do what he did last year and just have the good luck continue for him. Or he could just have a lot of really high-quality chances and just, you know what, it just doesn't go for him. Like, right. like that possibility is out there. But I think we probably – I want to wait 20 games before I draw a conclusion on, on that. Um, but that that is the the fear that he just he where you watch the where you watch the games probably halfway through the season you're like man you know Kreider's gotten a lot of really good chances but just for whatever reason it's just not going for him you know and it's nothing he's doing wrong it's right just, you know he's just not he wouldn't be getting that good fortune so just that should be something we should monitor come back about 20 games from now is what early December we should kind of take a look at that and see you know where where things are at uh, right around right around Christmas time. 
Yeah, you, you know, you're right. If, if he's still driving to the net and, and getting the opportunities and not having games when you don't hear his name called like two seasons ago, then I agree. Then if they're just not going in, you just got to keep shooting the puck. More or less like what Kreider was telling Zimbanaja to do last year when he was not fun in the back of the net but getting opportunities. So I, I didn't think about that. That's a pretty good point there, Carl. I did want to ask you guys about this um, sure. as well. Uh, watching Zibanejad perform tonight, one thing that I thought came out of watching just all the playoff series last year, it's really been sort of a thing for, you know, for, for the longest time, is to have that sort of down-the-middle player at center, right? Like we saw Crosby, obviously, and he's a great player. You know, one of, probably one of seven greatest players of all time, so maybe I shouldn't use him as an example. But just having uh, that matchup, where if he, if the Banajek can improve his game to the point where every night the Rangers go into said game or even a series with the advantage with him and Trocek one and two, like I'm just trying to figure out can the Banajek make that sort of final jump? Like he's been, you know, as we've seen him now these six years, you know, he's been, you know, he's had, you know, his peaks and his valleys. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to think of what, in terms of his consistency, what does he have to do to make that final jump where he officially sort of cements his, his sort of, you know, not superstar status, but something very close to that where every night he can be expected to perform at a high, high level. I think he needs to have a... Go. Go ahead, RB. No, 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 go ahead, Steve. No, I thought about that, and it goes back to Carl, the way he played tonight. We had these conversations maybe for the first year or two after that Broussard trade. Now, clearly, we won that trade. I mean, I mean, oh, the God. return on investment mm-hmm. uh, with that trade with Broussard, it, it just, I, that was the first thing that, in my mind, you know, just even just watching him tonight, even last season. But number two, I, I even looked at it. Okay, you have the New York Rangers, Madison Square Garden, Midtown, 33rd and 7th. But it's almost like from time to time, especially on home ice, RP, you could go next, he's almost a sideshow when he performs. It's almost like freakish, like the five goals versus the Capitals. Uh, it's like he has these games in him, especially at home. It's a sight to see outside of team wins and, of course, team play. Like, he goes on <laughs> monster streaks and the skating, the, mm-hmm. the slap shots, the one-timers. It, it, it like it is to answer Carl's question. I just think if you keep this lineup healthy and it's, it's really deep, but just try to keep it as healthy as possible. We have a great a top goaltender in the league. I mean, listen, it, the sky is the limit for Zabinjad, and getting getting him at that value, uh, just maintain what he has been doing. I mean, you know, I think he's I think he's on that right track at his age, and especially getting him at that market value for uh, getting him signed. Go ahead, RP. No, I, I was. I agree with that. I think what would help him is to have a face-off performance like he did tonight. I, I think then it would be well. I'm not scoring goals, but hell, I'm winning 69% of my face-offs, so I'm still helping the team. And I think, for instance, last year or the year before, even better, when he was really slumping, he wasn't scoring goals, he wasn't playing great defensively, and he wasn't winning face-offs. And I think it became a, an effect where well, everything I'm doing is wrong. And here, so if you have a night when, you, uh, when you're scoring three goals and your face-offs aren't that good, all right, you still contributed to the team. Or maybe the next game he's at 65% wins and he's not getting a lot of goals or he's not getting a lot of scoring chances. For his own confidence, he's still contributing to, to an extent that's acceptable. 
and, and having, like Carl said, that one-two punch at that one-C, two-C positions, I think that keeps his confidence up from two different areas. You know, it's like a baseball player. If you're doing a crappy day in the field, but you're belting two home runs, all right, you, you've made up for it and you've participated and, and you've contributed to a win. Then you have a game when you, you know, have an error or two in the field and you go for 0 for 4 at the plate, where now you just feel like you're a total waste. And I think a lot of the years, the manager was in that category. And I think now his games finally come to that point, and that has a lot to do with playing with Kreider. He's got a lot of confidence on the ice. I mean, he was a step faster than everybody on the ice tonight, maybe two steps faster. Him playing on the penalty kill was probably the best thing they ever did with Kreider. Gets some more ice time, gets more involved. They're getting tons of scoring chances. And I think all these little things, when you package it all together, makes him a better hockey player. And right, he's not going to be a Sidney Crosby, but there aren't many players that are a Sidney Crosby. But, you know, look at his power play goal tonight. And I know he's been working on that last year in training camp this year. That was an absolute bullet off a, off a fly pass that you couldn't ask for any more. And that's what you want to see. Even if the goalie made the save, it's a perfect play. Sometimes the puck goes in, sometimes it doesn't. You can't really ask ask for more. I mean, the Rangers had like 15 shots on the power play today. What you were saying before, Steve, their first-line power play unit didn't have time to come off the ice because it never came out of Tampa Bay's end. Mm. If, you, if you have that success in, in all different areas of the ice, never mind does it make you a better hockey player, but it makes you a confident hockey player, and that builds up and grows throughout your team. So I, I think that's what he needs to do is just to stay confident, get better at your face-offs. I'm so, sure Trocek is helping everybody take draws. And tonight was a, a perfect example. I was just looking on, you know, on the stats. I, I never saw so many players in, in you know, over 60%, your, your regular senses. The numbers were, were outstanding. And it, it's something that you normally don't see. But for tonight, hey, that was, it was excellent. I mean, Trocek was over 60%. Zimbanejad's uh, over 60%. Hedo was up there. It, it was a great night for the draws. I mean, when's the last time you saw us win 64% of our face-offs? At one point in the first period, guys, they win the last 10 face-offs. I don't think the Rangers have ever done that. <laughs> it was it was just, even, that's the only good stat I got out of ESPN today. It was amazing. They just kept winning draws and, and winning draws. You know, and, they, and it was even across the board. They won 60% in their offensive, uh, defensive end. They won 70% in their offensive end. And they won 64% in the neutral zone. All those draws give you puck possession, which gives them more opportunities to score. But, you know, mm-hmm. Barkley Gaudreau, 63%. Trocek, 63%. Uh, Philip Hedl, he only took four faceoffs, but he was 75%. Zidbanejad was 69%. Might have been his best face-off time as a Ranger. So if this is any indication of what Trocek brings to the team, because he's always been a career good face-off guy, they were well on the way to having a better season than last year. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Glenn, what's your thoughts? Yeah, and and, and to, uh, to add on to what RP said, I, that's against a team that dominated them in face-offs uh, just a few months ago in the playoffs. So, you know, it's only one game, but to turn that around against a team that was dominating them in face-offs, um, you know, is, is pretty impressive. And, and you got to think that Trocek always being a, 
a good face-off guy in the years that he's been in the league, uh, that he's, you know, coaching Zvanajad and Heedle and telling them little tricks that he does. So, you know, I would hope that, uh, you know, we would see an across-the-board increase in uh, in face-off wins this year over last year. Um, and I think, you know, we, we were just talking about, uh, you know, if Kreider, you know, doesn't get 52 goals again this year, where are they going to make up those goals? A lot of that could, could uh, you know, come with winning face-offs in the offensive zone. Um, oh. You know, and, and Mika, you know, let's remember, Mika got off to such horrible starts the last couple of years. Uh, if he can take this game tonight, and it's only one game, but if this is an indication that he's going to be uh, the player that we know he is right out of the box, um, you know, he can he can make up some of those goals. You know, remember, he scored 41 goals uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago maybe. Um, was that an aberration? I, I don't know, but I think he's capable of doing that. Uh, with the shot that he's got and the speed that he's got. Um, you know, he came back to score uh, 29 last year uh, after a terrible start. So, you know, there's that. I think Trocek is a better offensive player than Strom. I think that uh, uh, if Zach Jones holds on to that uh, third pairing on defense, he'll add some offense because uh, that third pair last year was, you know, non-existent as far as offense goes. So, um I, I think if Kreider, and again, I, I expect uh, Kreider to look, be looking at 35 to 40 goals. Uh, but, you know, I think they could make up those goals five on five. And like RP said, you know, get in that, you know, 10, 11, 12 uh, range uh, as far as five on five goals, because I think there's no reason to expect that the uh, power play is going to decline much. Uh, you got a lot of the same players on there. Um, and uh, as they showed tonight, uh, they, you know, just held on to the puck for a minute and a half, two minutes on every power play they had. So, um, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm not worried about this team uh, offensively. So I think they can make up, uh, you know, any drop-off that Kreider has. Uh, and, and as well, you know, you got another year under their belt of uh, Kako and Lafreniere and Heedle. I, I expect them to contribute more. So, uh, you know, I, I think this team is going to uh, be improved over last year as far as, uh, you know, their offensive production goes. And that's going to bode well for, for Igor uh, because, uh, like someone else was saying, I, I think it was Carl, 2-1 um, game and make it 3-1, 4-1. Take the pressure off him. All the great teams uh, in the league now and, and in history uh, have that killer instinct where, you know, you don't want to just protect a 2-1 lead or a 3-1 lead. You just want to keep going forward. And uh, I think this team has the offensive capability uh, to do that. Uh, so, uh, I'm, you know, I may eat my words, but I'm pretty optimistic that this team is going to be uh, uh, improved over last year as far as offensive production goes. I agree. But here's the crazy thing with, uh, of all this, as offensively talented they are, I actually believe more in the defense. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, the Braden Point breakaway, and you saw Panarin just get back on defense on the Braden Point just to bother him enough to the, to uh, to uh, get off, get it off uh, a Shesterkin. 
So Brady Point had, you know, coming back, and you know, he 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 was good tonight as far as coming back for the Lightning. But just defensively, even guys like Panera, you know, just skating with guys who had to jump on him. Like I like, like the, I think our squad in the NHL is probably the most balanced roster. That's no cap. Like balanced, top to bottom, depth, offensively, defensively, goalie. I think we have. At all, like, I mean, there's other teams that have their top heavy with the scoring, like Colorado, and that's probably why they're the overwhelmingly favorite. But I, I mean, I mean, this is as balanced as it gets for a salary cap team, man. In my opinion, and I'm not saying it's just because I'm saying the Razor fan. I mean, it's even better than last year. You know how big I was with them last year, and that was even before yeah. the trades. But uh, uh, Glenn, yeah. anything else you like to add before we go to uh, yeah, yeah, go, uh, yeah, go to Steve, Scott. You know, you talk, you talk about team defense, which I brought up tonight that I thought was uh, was really good tonight. But, you know, uh, again, that goes back to some of the killer instincts. It's a lot easier to play defense when you're up 4-1 to one than when you're up 2-1, to one. Uh, you know, where one mistake can cost you. So uh, I think that goes hand in hand, uh, you know, both ways. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, a, a good offense where they keep they keep putting the pressure on the other team. They they try to increase that lead. Will have a, a positive effect on, on the defense as well. So uh, again, what we saw tonight was uh, you know very encouraging for the future. It's only one game, uh, but uh, you know coming out of coming out of training camp, first couple of games of the season, especially where they're. Uh, switching guys around on different lines and everything, you'd expect that, you know, maybe it would be a little sloppy, uh, guys getting used to playing with each other. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Gallant used training camp to uh, to his advantage by having guys playing with different guys where, you know, it seems like it doesn't matter who's playing with who or who's going from the third line to the first line. And uh, all of these guys seem very willing to do it for him. Uh, so uh, I think there's nothing but positives uh, to take out of tonight and going forward. Most indeed. Scott, what's your thoughts? And we go to Carl after that and then get some final thoughts or any thoughts with RP, then final thoughts. Uh, Scott, what you got? Well, I was looking, I'm looking at the shots. So I have a question and I'm going to give it to RP. Are we concerned about uh, Panarin's lack of shooting? And if you remember, uh, that was he was getting some criticism for that in the playoffs last year. I think most, pretty much most of the Pittsburgh series, right up until the series winner, of course. Now, obviously, he's evolved into one of the best playmakers in all of the game. Uh, case in point tonight, a beautiful pass uh, across ice to uh, Zbanejad for that sweet spot power play game winner. Um, but I'm looking at the shots here. Zbanejad, nine shots. Uh, Kreider five, Lafreniere four, even Goodrow had three. One of them, of course, went in. Trocheck four goals. Panarin one shot. Um, are we concerned that uh, that he might delve back into what he was getting criticism for last year, which is uh, you know as great of a of a passer as he's become? Uh, are, are we concerned that he's not? The, the sniper that uh, we we hope he uh, you know that he was or you know are we concerned that he's not the sniper he once was and is has uh, the pass first mentality uh, again one shot tonight uh, you know is that a concern moving forward RP? Uh, 
Uh, Page and Ridge Press. Cut out there for a second. Can you hear me? All right, we can hear you. Uh, maybe oh. you don't hear RP. We, RP is there, but uh, feel free to uh, chime in, RP. If not, uh, uh, Carl, you want to answer that question real quick until RP gets back? My my audio had cut out there for about thirty seconds, so I had a, I I couldn't get. If you just want to shorten, um, Glenn, if you, I mean, um, Scott, if you just want to shorten that for me, I yeah. can I can try to answer for it as best I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll recap, but I'll paraphrase it. Uh, Panarin only had one shot tonight. Uh, Zbadage had nine. Oh, uh, Kreider, Kreider five, et cetera. So are, are we concerned that uh, uh, Panarin is, is passing? And now, of course, the passing is phenomenal, of course, the playmaking. Um, but are we concerned? He did take criticism last year during the playoffs for lack of shooting yes. when he had some glorious opportunities. So, I, 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 and I'm not pinpointing anything tonight. I can't really think of something where he had, where he had a great lane, or I'm thinking, like, why didn't he shoot it? So, you know, maybe he only earned me one shot. But I'm saying, for a guy like that, he should have more than one shot. Uh, so, is that a concern moving forward? I almost feel like, I almost feel like that's just part, his game, right? Like, we, we want him to shoot more. I bet you... Since he, I bet you since he's come into the league, since when he was in Chicago, that he's been told, hey, man, you've got a really good shot. Use it. But there's some guys, I remember, I think it was sometime in the middle of last season, um, I was, it was, uh, they were talking about David Quinn, and he was imploring guys to shoot more. And there was a backlash among some range of players to that idea of shooting more. And that was kind of part of the disconnect between them and the coach. So I think in the case of Panera, I think that's just kind of who he is. We want more. We think he can produce more. You know, he's an incredibly talented player. But I think he is more of a guy that will just defer, and then the goals will just sort of come. He'll probably never be, you know, the 40, you know, 45 goal scorer. That's just probably never going to be who he is. He's just going to kind of take his time. You know, he try almost like he sort of outthinks the game. Does that make any sense? Or he's, he overthinks things when really he should just kind of react to, to, what, we, to what he sees out there and makes a, you know, and makes a play. Maybe some guys just deferring are defer, or natural defers, and maybe that's just what he is. And unfortunately, we might want to see more, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense um, because again, you know, last year there were definitely times where he should have shot the puck, uh, where he had that point blank shot, and he was looking. He got into that pass first mentality, and he, he became hesitant, uh, and he was looking for the perfect pass rather than, hey, don't forget, <laughs> you're an incredible sniper, take the shot. Um, and again, I didn't see that tonight. I didn't notice it tonight. It's not like he had anything that stood out. I only noticed it when I looked at the score sheet afterwards, uh, and I saw that he only had the one shot. So nothing really stood out. But when I did see that he had the one shot, I started having the flashbacks of last playoffs where there were noticeable times where he should have taken the shot, and he was hesitant because he would rather pass. So that's just why it was a concern. But yes, that does make sense because if, when you overthink things, that's when, you know, hockey is so fast and bang, bang, especially for a sniper like that, you know, you just got to let it go. Uh, and if he starts overthinking things, that's when you start blowing opportunities and that, you know, brings us back to the playoffs last year. So yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. 
Well, you know, the one thing on top of that, and I guess we could probably close it off on this, is that it, last year it became you know, sort of pronounced because the Rangers were having problems scoring, and thus we were looking to him to provide offense. When in a lot of cases, particularly with him, he's a guy that would love to defer to the other guys, thus asking him to be that sort of offensive producer is sort of kind of anti what he is. And there's that, that weird conundrum. He can provide offense, but isn't looking to do that, but he can do it. So I can't, I'm, as I think about it now going forward, that's probably one of the sort of longer range things, themes as well is to, you know, don't try to look to Panarin to be the guy that's going to carry you offensively because that's not going to happen. He'll be part of the offense, but he won't be the focus of the offense. Fair. That's fair. I like that. Yeah, and I, you know, I would throw in there, too, that, uh, um, you know, Trocek is a lot more of a shooter than Strom was, and uh, Kravtsov comes back, you know, he's, kind of a shooter too that we would be looking for him to kind of be the sniper on that line. Um, so I think there's actually a possibility in Panarin's head that he might even become more of a passer with uh, those two guys on his line. So, um, you know, I, I was just looking at his stats while Carl was, was talking and, you know, he's never been one of those guys that, uh, you know, you look at who's got 250 or, or 300 shots uh, in a year, like a Pasternak or, a, uh, uh, you know, Ovechkin or a lot of guys in the league. Um, you know, just, just looking at it here, the most shots he's ever had in a season was 228 uh, in his first year with Columbus. And uh, last year for the Rangers, he had 177. But he's had, you know, 209, 191, 187. Um, so he's never been, you know, a big shooter. He scored 30 a couple of times, but um, I have a feeling that with his mentality uh, of passing that we might see him even pass it more this year. So it'll be interesting uh, to see as the season goes on and how his game progresses. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think he sees himself as a playmaker uh, who can score, but I agree with Carl. He's not a guy who's going to carry your offense for you. He'll He'll help other guys score. But, you know, he's not a guy that you can t- depend on game in, game out to, to score goals for you. So it um, be interesting to see with uh, new line mates uh, if his game changes to being even more of a passer uh, than he has been in the past with, with the, the Rangers for a couple of years he's been here. All right, cool. Let's uh, get around for final thoughts. Carl, we can start with you. Final thoughts, uh, opening night win. Uh, we got, let's see, we got at Minnesota, at Winnipeg. Uh, by the time we come here next Tuesday, it will be no game, but we'll, we will be on. No every other week, Scott. <laughs> we will be on 9 p.m. Uh, no game, so it's 9 p.m. on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll talk about what happened on the road, or a short, a short road trip to uh, Minnesota and Winnipeg. Uh, and the game after that, there's another game after that on Monday. Well, I forgot who it was, but I'll bring it up. But, uh, Carl, final thoughts, man. Great win for our, for us, man. Great win. Great win. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, and it's one of those things where you want to get off to at least a good start to kind of – between now and Thanksgiving, the legs on everybody 
um, set themselves up for success going into you know the December January month. I think you're right around Thanksgiving if you're if you're in the if you're in that sort of top three in the uh, in the division, you're pretty much going to stay there the rest of the way. So that's one thing to look at. Keeping the bad habits down. Uh, is another thing you don't want to get in a situation where you're turning over the puck as many times as, as they did tonight and just kind of using the excuse of, oh, we'll just kind of figure it out. Because oftentimes that doesn't tend to correct itself. So that's something to look at. Uh, Chris Kreider's gold number before the season started, according to the sports, was 40 and a half. So I'm, I was, you know what, that, 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 that's going to be tricky. Um, and the Rangers points, I noticed this before the season started, it was 99 and a half uh, in the book. Um, I was ten. I would I would have went just over that number. So that's something that I was I was wondering about before the season started in terms of the betting market um, with, with that number. But those are some of the things that I was looking at. And I think the last thing to, to uh, as we go say goodbye, I saw a stat before the season started. The Rangers were the second had lost the second fewest man games uh, on defense last year at 24, um, second fewest in the league. That is an incredibly low number and an incredibly good health to have over a course of the season that they that they went through over 82 games and then the postseason. I'm not sure if that's repeatable. So I'm almost having to kind of ensure ourselves defensively with guys in the minors to come up. Obviously, the trade deadline is going to play a role in this as well to ensure that there is enough defensemen available to sort of withstand what I think will be some injuries along the way. That is at the C notes on Twitter. Shout outs to Carl, man. Carl is a great night for our teams. Uh, no shade. There's not a jab at the Mets fan. I swear to God, it's not a jab at the Mets fan, guys. Um, uh, Yankees and, and, and the Rangers win. But we all can agree on this line. The Giants pull it off. It's a nice short week, man, from Sunday through uh, today, man. Shout outs to Carl, man. Uh, Scott, final thoughts from you, please. Uh, any information you'd like to share with the Face Off Hockey Podcast? But I also have a quick question, if you could add this to your final thoughts. If if I was to say, hey man, you got you drew four penalties against your former team, but yet you got the insurance goal to make up for it to go up two goals, you give the uh, penalties a pass, or you know, good job as far as getting the point uh, to offset the penalty. Well, how do you look at that scenario as far as cleaning things up, or you know, for making up for going into the box? I think it definitely uh, makes up for it. I mean, the team picked him up by killing. Well, with the exception of the two man, by uh, you know, by by picking him up by by killing those penalties off and he made up for it. Uh, you know, it, it's especially huge for a guy like him who doesn't score all that much. You know, if this was like Kreider taking four penalties, uh, or, you know, we're Panarian or Zmanajad, and then they get that goal, it would be like, well, you damn well should have scored that goal. But for, <laughs> for a guy like Goodrow to do it uh, on a beautiful deflection, I mean, that's just not something you think about. Uh, beautiful in-the-air deflection, like that's a prior goal, uh, you know, for, for a guy like Goodrow, that's something we don't really see out of him. Uh, I think that's definitely uh, uh, absolution for him there. I think other than those penalties, he played a pretty good game. He was noticeable. He was physical. Uh, and he capped it off by getting a well-deserved goal there to uh, kind of, you know, tell the team, like, hey, no, it's 
sorry for the swinging elbows and sticks all day, but uh, you know, I got you. So uh, yeah, I'll give uh, I'll give him some absolution uh, on that goal because I think other than the penalties, he was having a pretty decent game up until then, and uh, you know, he gave us that third period breathing room, which uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, we usually don't get. <laughs> Uh, as far as the uh, as far as the rest of the final thoughts, uh, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, uh, you know, I'll say it as a lifelong Mets fan. Uh, it's it, it's this is just what being a Mets fan entails. But I was able to go to Game Two, and I'd never been to a Mets playoff game before. So uh, I, you know, I uh, you know, other than losing the series, you know, epic disaster. But uh, you know, it was fun to be there. I'd never been to one. I got you know, Degrom pitched well. Got homers from Alonzo and and Lindor. Got to hear the trumpets. Uh, you know, it was just an all around good day. They busted it open. It was it was about a four and a half hour nine inning game, which I I didn't even know they had those, but apparently they do. Uh, so so be it. Moving on. I got the Giants game coming up Sunday. I'm going to. Uh, uh, and uh, you know a couple Ranger games uh, on tap. Uh, first game I'm going to uh, at the Garden will be on the 23rd against Columbus. Uh, then I got November 3rd Boston, which is nice. And then I got the Islanders uh, on the 8th. I'll be going to. Uh, and then I'm hitting the road for uh, uh, what do we got first. We got Vegas December 5th. I've got. Philadelphia, December 17th, and Montreal, January 5th. If I can get my uh, passport straightened out, uh, I'll give you guys a quick reference there. Uh, I got my passport renewed. I sent it in 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 August, and it came back literally today. I opened it up. I checked the picture. They cut the entire top of my head off. This picture is just up to my eyes and nothing above. That's what they sent me back in my passport, and I'm just blown away here. I don't know, like, I don't know if this will get me out of the country. Like, somebody, some United States government employee, taxpayer-funded employee, took this thing off of the printer and looked at it and said, yep, this is good, and mailed it back to me. Uh, Your tax dollars at work. Uh, now I don't even know what to do about this thing. <laughs> so, uh, I, think, I, think you a, I think the government's sending you a message, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the government's saying do not leave our site. We want you here. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've seen your Facebook posts. You ain't going anywhere. So, this is not um, going to yeah, be so a, gotta, uh, I, This is not going to be a Harrison Ford fugitive situation if you trying to flee the borders you're going to see a, a half game. It's got <laughs> Nah, it wasn't me. It was a one-armed man. <laughs> now I'll uh, I'll figure it. I'm going to go to the yeah, yeah. To the border, then you know. <laughs> hey, one, one thing before you go, because we're almost running out of time. Uh, uh, next episode for you and Patrick with the Face Off Hockey Podcast. What can we expect? That we'll put it on the uh, we'll share it on the on the social media on here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, next week uh, we'll have obviously a couple Ranger games under our belt. And, um, I'm curious, um, you know, because my partner is a Habs fan. Um, and, and again, since there's so many similarities between uh, his team and mine, not only are uh, you know are they where we were a few years ago, but they're also doing it with Jeff Gordon where we were uh, a few years ago, and he's very optimistic about that, uh, the direction they're headed. So uh, I'm actually I'm probably going to uh, going to tune into their opener tomorrow night, and uh, so when we when we readdress uh, next week, we'll have uh, you know two three games uh, under each of our belts, and we can uh, assess 
where each team is going. So that'll be the topic. Uh, just you know, early thoughts of the of the first week of play for each team, and you know, if the if the Rangers are living up to expectations, which obviously they got off on the wrong on the on the, on the, on the incredibly right foot tonight, uh, and we'll see what uh, what Montreal has to offer. Like I said, he's a you know longtime season ticket holder, diehard fan, but he has no illusions about uh, where that team is going uh, this year. He's just looking for uh, Marty St. Louis to uh, instill a good culture there. Like they, when he stepped in last year, it was already a different team. They they, they respect him. They like playing for him. Uh, the team was just uh, you know completely upbeat. Uh, obviously, that will only take you so far with what you're putting on the ice, but. Um, you know, he is uh, optimistic that they are headed in the, in the right direction. And, of course, this uh, number one overall, I can't pronounce, I don't even remember his name, but, the uh, you know, the number one overall pick. Uh, he made the roster. Uh, he's, you know, he's starting on opening night, so uh, we'll see what he has to offer to you. And that's, that's what we'll be covering next week, uh, first two, three games for each team. Sounds fantastic. I look forward to checking it out, man. The Face of Hockey Podcast. Shout out to Scott and Glenn. We're about to wrap Thank up. You. Your final thoughts. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Scott. Glenn, final thoughts. Yeah, I just got two things. Uh, one, I, I didn't get a chance to mention it when we were talking about the uh, the roster, the way it shook out. I was kind of surprised that nobody claimed Gautier. Um, you know, I knew he wasn't going to make the team. I figured they were going to probably try to get him down to Hartford. But, you know, I thought one of the, the – the lesser teams, you know, an Anaheim, a San Jose, the Devils, uh, Buffalo. I thought somebody would would decide to take a chance on him, and, uh, and I'm happy they got to keep him because you know they may need him. But I was kind of surprised that nobody uh, nobody claimed him uh, on waivers. Uh, the other thing is, and I'll go more to the uh, to the league with this. You know, this is the time of the season starting where for the last few days you see all the experts picking uh, who they think is going to make it to the, the cup finals, who they think is going to win the cup. And um, I am shocked that so many people are throwing their hat in on Toronto. Um, when, when we were going through the, the different divisions, Steve, I remember you asked me, what did, what did I think Toronto learned from last year? And my answer was, I think they learned nothing because they stood still and they downgraded their goaltending in my opinion. So you know, by April, I might wind up beating my words, but, boy, I, I'm amazed how many people are jumping on the, the Maple Leaf bandwagon. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe we can talk about it in a future episode. But uh, uh, that was something that really struck me this week uh, with all the predictions. So that's about it for me. Yeah, we can talk about all that because next Tuesday we have no game, and we cover like all the games from – tomorrow up until next Tuesday, including our games and around the league. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, shout-outs to RP. had uh, technical difficulties. And shout-outs to, uh, you know, you know Forever Blue Shirts and Empire Sports Media and his IG account, uh, Carl and Glenn and Scott, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We'll be back on next Tuesday, 9 p.m., one hour around the – not only just our team, but the NHL opening night, two points. Enjoy the episode. Hope you enjoy the episode. Glee Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.